All right. Welcome, everyone, to He's Done It, a mostly sports podcast. I'm Corey Novotny, and I'm joined this week, as always, by my co-host, Brian Wells. This week's episode, from a sports perspective, will mostly be focusing on NBA free agency, as we are now about a week into all the activity and drama that surrounds that, with, of course, the biggest piece of drama being Kevin Durant requesting a trade from the Brooklyn Nets. We're still to stand still there. Uh, the market has not moved as much as we expected as we continue to wait to see how that Durant situation unfolds, but we'll talk all about it, talk about it from Durant's perspective, talk about the Nets, really the situation in general, thoughts on certain teams who have been linked to the superstar player, and uh, we'll also give some thoughts on moves that actually have happened. Rudy Gobert being traded from the Utah Jazz to the Minnesota Timberwolves for four first-round picks. The Celtics went out and acquired Malcolm Brogdon in a trade with the Pacers. We've had a few players sign some big max contracts. Jalen Brunson, the most notable move to this point from the Mavericks to the Knicks. So we'll give our thoughts on everything that's happened and talk about some of those players that we're still waiting to see where they end up in either free agency or trade. And finally, we will conclude this episode by counting down our top five favorite Tom Hanks film roles in honor of the actor and really American cultural icon's 66th birthday coming up this weekend on July 9th. So it should be a fun way to end this one. So with that, let's get started. So the GOAT won a, another championship on Monday, even uh, even on crutches, still wolf down 63 hot dogs and won by like 20 over the second place guy. Uh, got the uh, the Joey Jaws uh, the flu M- game. MJ flu game, yeah. the, the, the Joey Chestnut uh, on crutches game. Yeah, I don't know what's more impressive that he was able to still throw down 63 hot dogs despite having like basically a broken leg or that he was able to take out a protester despite yeah, the having future a in leg. WWE. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was not, that was definitely impressive. What's also impressive is impressive is that the guy that finished in second, can you imagine telling people, Hey, I, I only lost a Joey chestnut by 20. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I know he was able to make it somewhat of a competition, even though you watch it three minutes in, you're like, all right, this is already over. He's running away with it again. Uh, the second guy, the Esper guy, he's the he's the dude who always wears the Red Sox hat, right? He's the the Massachusetts, so. yeah. So I'm that's certainly cool. not a hot dog eating expert, <laughs> but I think that's who it was. Yeah, yeah. I um, I mean, at this point, there are only a handful of names. I think everyone knows Kobayashi, who hasn't been able to compete for a long time now. And uh, Eater X, I, they said that he went into the Major League Eating Hall of Fame. So <laughs> good on him. I, that's kind of exciting <laughs> that there is a Hall of Fame. I didn't even know that. So I'd Im- I would imagine. Bold call. I'd imagine Joey Chestnut will get into the... <laughs> They're probably going to rename the Hall of Fame the Joey Chestnut Hall of Fame at this point. Um, who's, the, 
<laughs> Who's the guy that drinks like the the pink? Lemonade? Oh, Bam, yeah, ba- Badlands, Eric Badlands <laughs> Booker, right? Yeah, he uh, he put on a show again, less than thirty seconds. Uh, what, what I remember when when I was, when we were on the track team, uh, I would always have these giant water bottles, and I would I would drink out of it, and I would have to like have to pee all day, and it was like the one those like one I don't remember exactly one liter water bottles probably sounds like right. not yeah n- not the typical water bottle like an actual uh big water bottle but compared to the pink lemonade that that guy drinks that's it's nothing compared to the pink lemonade <laughs> yeah i mean i just watched that happen i'm like i could absolutely never do that i suck at chugging things and uh yeah you know even just trying to get that down it, it is impressive what some of these people can do and i know it's easy to be like oh joey chestnut hot dogs running away with it everyone there is really good at eating something else <laughs> whether it's uh you know like some kind of vegetable i think like the kale champion was in the competition there's always like sandwich people someone they said ate like 260 slices of pizza in eight minutes now i, I assume it's like a small slice i i don't know what the type was but it is it's cool uh, I had a whole box of Domino's pizza this weekend. The whole box, oh, yeah? but it was but it was medium pizza or small, I mean, smaller medium, which is it sounds like oh wow you ate a whole box of pizza, but when you factor in the size, it's like all right. Like, I used I to do that a lot doable. in high school. I would like yeah. if I was home alone on a Friday night. Uh, for me, instead of like drinking and partying, I would go to Domino's and get a medium pizza for myself. That was that was my my partying on a Friday night it, in high school. It, it sounds it sounds like a challenge, but it's it's. Easier than you think it'd be. Yeah. Because you certainly did it several times. It oh, yeah. Like. That was like 10 years ago. Uh, there's a there's a restaurant, like a pizza restaurant in downtown Raleigh. I know they're in Virginia and a few other places called Benny's Pizza. And I want to say they're, like, their normal pizza is 27 inches um, is like the biggest. It's a huge slice. And there's a competition that if you um like if you can eat an entire pizza, I want to say in an hour you get like a picture on the wall and you get a like a t-shirt out of it. It's a 28-inch pizza. Um and that to me that's impressive. Like a medium pizza from Domino's is that's nothing. It's that's like, nothing. Yeah, throwing down a 28-inch pizza in an hour like I you know, you get two slices of those and you're full. The fact that people can eat six more is crazy to me. The medium pizza from Domino's, I did it in like 10 or 15 minutes. So it's nothing compared to the twenty. Oh, you actually inch. did a race for it. You said no. I didn't do a race yet. for it. I I just I just eat really quickly. <laughs> yeah, when you said the weekend, <laughs> I don't know if you I noticed. Like, anytime we've gone at all, that's like multiple anytime meals. we've gone to like out out to eat. I don't know if you noticed, but I I eat pretty quickly. <laughs> yeah, I don't think that's like the best for I, you I, in terms of actually getting full off things, but it's impressive. No, it's not good for you. <laughs> I I can't help but I, I should take my time when we when we go out to eat, but. I can't help it. I just eat it right away. Yeah, I know. It's hard. You have to actually, like, there are plenty of times where I have to actually think about it and slow down. I'm like, I'm so hungry, but I want to keep going. And, um, yeah, I mean, that's usually a recipe for disaster. But, obviously, if you're in a, a competition, you just got to keep throwing them down. Um, <laughs> started thinking about the uh, the McDonald's challenge we did with Colton Corley a couple years ago. and Oh, wow. Yeah, that's a... Uh, that's another one of those. What, was, what exactly? It was like what exactly? five burgers and chicken sandwiches and French fries. You had to eat a ton of nuggets. And I think it was like four Cokes as well. Like, there was just way too much of that. And uh, I think that... When I, when I was in Guatemala, I went hard on... I told you, I went hard yeah, on every McDonald's. every single fast they, food there. Yeah, exactly. And I, 
and I told you about the triple McChicken at, Mc, at the McDonald's there. And like, I gotta try this. And I had, I it wasn't exactly like a competition, of course, but I want to try a bunch of fast food, and I, I tried plenty of it, which was. Yeah, I Which think I think seeing normal people try to do eating contests just like gains your it sounds appreciation great. Like, oh, for I can do actual this. major league eaters who like do that yeah. professionally. Where it's like I think it's easy to say, oh, not a sport, they're not a real athlete, and sure, but at the same time, what they do is still super impressive, and it requires a yeah. lot of work and a lot of effort and a lot of training in the same way that normal athletes would do. That's a good point. Yeah, have you gotten the cheese at I- Tostada yet? No, I haven't. No, <laughs> <laughs> I've thought about it. I I did. I probably will get it at some point this week. Yeah. Because uh, and I'm not saying it will be good. I'm just saying it's intriguing to try. No, it's definitely. I like intriguing. Cheez-Its and I like Taco Bell. Yeah, so it's perfect combo, right? <laughs> no, I like. I, <laughs> I'm I, sure I was it will be. You yeah. Earlier, I would prefer it to have like a Doritos Locos taco, like an actual tortilla that's more similar to the actual crunch wrap inside right. the taco. That makes sense. But. We'll see. I don't think I'll yeah. be trying it. I love Cheez-Its. I love Taco Bell separately. I don't know. Like you said, I, I don't know if it's a great combo together. Yeah, wasn't there an Oreo pizza somewhere? Oh, Domino's yeah. used to do that. Domino's that had so that? Good. Yeah. yeah, that was That's, like a, over a so decade ago. That was good? I loved it. Everyone else oh, hated it, but okay, for whatever reason, I, I liked it. People said it was just like Oreo cream and cookies on cardboard, and it probably <laughs> was, but I don't know. It, it was dessert pizza, so I was Well, basically what I'm trying to say is is that a positive positive can equal a negative because <laughs> a lot of people did not like the combination of the Domino's pizza, Oreo pizza. Yeah, they prefer the uh, the Pizza Hut cinnamon apple one that you get at the buffet. I've never tried that one either. I haven't been to a Pizza Hut buffet in like 10 years. So I think the last I time I went to a Pizza Hut was with you guys in the flag football league. <laughs> Back in high school, nice, nice. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, I still like them, but Little Caesars is the uh, the new king of the NFL. I've never had Little Caesars. Is it so? It went from Papa John's to Pizza Hut, and now it's Little Caesars. Yeah, yeah, they kept they keep shuffling through it, and uh, yeah, Little Caesars managed managed to out Pizza the Hut and become the new sponsor. Which Little Caesars is great for what it is: five dollar hot and ready, hard to beat. It's a perfect um, college organization event you need to cater to a large crowd just get a ton of five dollar hot and readies you can't beat it so it's not the greatest quality but it's good value yes. little caesars i've, yes. ne- I've never been it to- is it is good value i wouldn't I've say it's great been- value because it's not great pizza but it's good value <laughs> for bad pizza <laughs> like the burger king chicken nuggets oh it's a dollar yeah. sure, it is sure. i think little <laughs> caesars is the only pizza that i can't eat cheese just plain it has to have toppings on it for it to taste good for me so wow yeah so i'm always a pepperoni hot and ready guy that doesn't sound promising no no and i i was not expecting to talk about food this much i mean we went from hot dogs to just talking about a you know oreo pizza but here we are and in some ways i almost feel like i'm trying to add some something to this because we assumed that nba free agency would be the only sports thing worth talking about there'd be so many trades and moves and signings but Everyone's favorite superstar, Kevin Durant, has basically ruined what is uh, a great first few days of NBA free agency by requesting a trade. And the Nets, for their credit, are not in a rush to actually move him, and they're going to play the waiting game. It just means we're also playing the waiting game, just trying to figure out what is going to happen. Well, he didn't ruin it. I thought he was going to make it great. After Once I heard that he was requesting a trade, I texted it to you guys, and I sent the 
the laughing gif or gif whatever you call it uh yeah just <laughs> laughing the, meme. the nets just demise because, yeah because the nets are about to fall apart and of course he wants out with because Kyrie is a pain in the ass and and Kyrie, i'd imagine wants out too and i thought it would be i'll admit i thought it would be who knows? Maybe we'll get breaking news in the middle of this, but I, I really thought there'd be more drama because the NBA offseason is the best, and there have been some moves that have happened that we'll talk about. But yeah, the one to wait on is certainly Kevin Durant. Where is he going? And there, you could you could honestly say that he ends up staying in Brooklyn, which would yeah, would I mean, I think in terms it's of drama, realistic that he would stay I, because the asking price is so high, and I don't know if any team is going to meet it. This is not a perfect comparison, but. It kind of reminds me of Mookie Betts when he was in his last year of the Red Sox and they were trying to extend him. Like, oh, I'll stay for 400, 500 million. In other words, they're not going to pay that and mm-hmm. he's going to get traded. While Brooklyn's like, okay, we'll trade you, but the asking price is whatever it is. And because teams can't match that, that means it's entirely possible that KD just ends up stuck in Brooklyn. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely a better analogy that I can't think of right now. My mind's just kind of going to last year with the whole. Ben I know that was Simmons the best one I could come up that yeah, came to mind for where me. Where it's like, well, with with Ben Simmons, like we knew that the Sixers were trying to trade him. We knew he wanted to be traded, but nothing happened to the deadline because the Sixers didn't want to just give him away. They wanted to wait and actually get the value that they perceived, and that ended up being James Harden, which was a great move. But now, I mean, Kevin Durant is way better than Ben Simmons and he's someone who the Nets don't necessarily want to trade like that was the situation where the Sixers are like yeah we're done with you but we don't want to just give you away the Nets they are not done with Durant <laughs> they don't want to trade Kevin Durant they if they get a deal that blows them away and um, you know helps make it easy to move on from what could be a toxic situation if they keep him then it makes sense for them to do that. But I don't think they're in a rush. I'd be shocked if you know, if there's any kind of Durant news that comes out between right now with us recording and when our listeners are actually consuming this because it, it doesn't sound like the Nets are in a, a position where they're about to be blown away. And there, there are a lot of factors that go into it. And I think a lot of that is Kevin Durant saying, I only want to play for a team with two other All-Stars. And it's like, dude, you're going to require All-Stars going back. I was going to say, you need All-Stars to get so, traded back. <laughs> yeah. So your options are pretty limited at that point. Even then, like some of the packages that teams can put together, it sounds like the Nets just aren't blown away by them. They don't want DeAndre Ayton. That makes the Suns' as preferred destination really difficult to make a deal work. The Phoenix Suns were and are probably still currently the favorite but then there was news reported out that we, that the Nets wouldn't trade Kevin Durant unless they're getting Devin Booker back. And then my my first thought there was, well, looks like the Suns are gonna get aren't gonna get Kevin Durant because they wouldn't trade Devin Booker. Um, yeah, well, and another piece of that is the so the NBA has the designated rookie rule where you can only have up to two designated rookies on a roster, but both of them can't be acquired via trade. And the designated rookie is any player who signs a five-year max extension going into the final year of the rookie deal, something that Ben Simmons did a few years ago with the 76ers, who the Nets just traded for a few months ago. So they can't trade for a guy like Devin Booker. They can't trade for Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, Luka Doncic, other examples. Neither of them are going to go over in a Durant trade, but it, it limits certain teams what they can do so like the Miami Heat his other destination I was just about to say what about Miami Miami would make a ton of sense if they're willing to move Bam out of bio but the Nets would have to trade Ben Simmons in a separate deal 
to make this work. So, or I guess they could trade Simmons and get both Adebayo and Kyle Lowry, but I don't know. Is that something the Heat want to do? That <laughs> they just want to completely tear up? What I'm sure they the have Heat would do. Jimmy Butler. Yeah, I'm sure the Heat would do whatever it takes as long as they don't have to trade Jimmy Butler. I'm sure they'd be willing to build another big three and then just find another uh, several role pieces to to fit that big three of Durant, Butler, and I'd ben imagine Simmons. Donovan Mitchell or. Well, or, I, mean, or, I guess if Utah would take Ben Simmons off, uh, you know, Miami's hand. I'd imagine that Mitchell if trade. Durant gets moved, there probably has to be a third team in the deal to hap for for it to happen, right? Because just because of all the moving pieces, I think. Well, how a lot. It is. Yeah, I mean, it's in the off season, which makes it easier. You don't have to worry about um, like roster limitations. It's all about being able to make the money work and. Uh, no team with salary cap is really in a position where they would be looking to trade for Durant. So I think that a lot of teams who can really put together pieces can make it work in just a two-team swap. And I know Miami and Phoenix are the preferred destinations, but you look at a team like the Toronto Raptors, who I, I think there's a very good chance that if the Raptors are willing to part with Scotty Barnes, 20-year-old reigning NBA Rookie of the Year, that Durant would end up going to Toronto. Because he, to me, that's the best package anyone can offer. If you can offer a guy like that who's that young, that good, and has three years left on his rookie contract, to me, it, I think it would be tough for the the Nets to pass on that, given other pieces get thrown in there. Guys like OG Ananobi, Gary Trent Jr., and of course, whatever number of first-round picks it takes to make it work. But Scotty Barnes would have to be in that deal, especially with how his rookie season ended up. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously winning rookie of the year and then there's a the question if you're the raptors do you trade a 20 year old scotty barnes for a 34 year old kevin durant you could say well they did the Kawhi leonard trade went all in that worked out won a championship all worth it so do you do it again or do you say well we just did that why would we do it again it's only been three years why not continue to build around a guy like scotty barnes and now you're like well it's does Toronto even make sense anymore at that point? I think it really depends on what Masai Ujiri is thinking. I mean, if they can make a deal around Pascal Siakam as a headline instead of Scotty Barnes, and I think it makes it way more likely. That makes more but, sense because Scotty Barnes is in his first year. And yeah, would Brooklyn do that? Year. Like, is that enough? Is Scotty Barnes and whatever other contracts they throw in there enough to pry Durant away? And well, Scotty Barnes would be the better piece over. Oh, Siakam. for sure. Siakam, yeah. Siakam's great, but. But he's Scotty making is, thirty-five million a year and like six years older at least. Yep, yep. <laughs> he has a better contract and he's much younger, so uh-huh. obviously he'd be the better piece in a trade. Yeah, so I mean they're they're a team that uh, you definitely have to watch for. I don't know if the Pelicans are an actual suitor by any means, but that's a trade package that you can kind of make work. Um, Zion Williamson reportedly getting one of those designated rookie contracts that takes him out, but looking at Brandon Ingram and. Herb Jones, or one of their many other young rookies, I think he's kind of the star, their second-round pick, who is uh, NBA, like all-NBA defensive player as a rookie. Uh, but, you know, is that is that significant enough? Uh, you know, the Pelicans have draft picks, but... And then does Durant want to go to New Orleans? I, I'm sure playing with Zion is appealing if he's on the court. You know, CJ McCollum seems like a good guy, but I think that's another part of it is the teams that can make the best packages for Brooklyn are not the teams that he prefers to go to. So is he going to be willing to go to these teams? 
And when he says, my, oh, you have to have all these other superstars on the roster already, just makes it even harder, like we said, because they got to be going back to Brooklyn in order for the Nets to actually pull the trigger on a deal. My my prediction was Miami because it's a nice area to play in. Pat Riley's there. Got to look out for him. And they've obviously had a big three in the past of LeBron, D-Wade, and Bosh. They have a lot to offer. And they don't even have to offer Jimmy Butler. They can offer anyone else. But they can't Bam. offer Bam unless they trade Ben Simmons. That's true, that, yeah. That's the thing. So that, that makes it even more difficult. Like, is Kyle Lowry, Duncan Robinson, Tyler and Hero. Tyler Hero enough? <laughs> so I get it. I get Miami wanting to be appealing for Durant, the Heat wanting to make the deal, but it's you got to think of it from the Brooklyn perspective. And right now they have so much leverage. They don't have to make a trade. As we get closer later in the offseason, close to the season starting, then I think it Maybe the asking price goes down. Maybe they're like, this is a situation where we can't have these guys on the roster. We have to make a deal. But for now, I just don't think they're in a rush to make a, a move with a team like Miami or Phoenix if it means taking back guys that they don't necessarily want to acquire. I I hate hearing the news that Golden State... <laughs> yeah, that they could <laughs> bring they back They could package Durant. Wiggins and a bunch of other pieces for uh, Durant and have, have the same core again that they had. Well, Wiggins, the first another time. designated rookie. So that's another thing that like Ben Simmons being on the roster, it just makes things so much more difficult for some of these teams. So while Wiggins would make sense, you're looking more at like a Draymond Green, James Wiseman, Jordan Poole, Moses Moody. Um, I was running maybe through, even Clay with Clay his could be history. yeah Clay could be an option as well. Uh, I don't know if Brooklyn would find him more or less appealing than Draymond Green, but. Clay Thompson making forty million compared to Durant's forty-four million dollar salary somewhat limits who um, you know Golden State would also send back. They'd have to take on a guy like Seth Curry, which I'm sure they'd be happy to reunite Seth and Steph. But uh, just using these, you know, just a single Kevin Durant trade argument that I threw out there. This is the one trade that I've done that actually significantly makes the team Durant goes to better. And Brooklyn significantly worse, according to the John Hollinger ESPN trade machine analysis. He really does not value Durant. Like a lot of these things, like Miami, even if they could trade Bam Adebayo, it's like plus one because Adebayo is like exact rate of a player. Um, Brooklyn goes down somewhat significantly with some of these bad pa- bad trade packages that you can put together, but they barely improve these teams. And this is one scenario where. Durant makes the Warriors plus eight wins uh, by just moving off Green, Wiseman, Poole, and Moody. So for whatever reason, it's like, I don't know if it's like, oh, yeah, we saw Durant, how great he was in Golden State, if that's a thing. Like, for instance, the Celtics are a team that they can put together a trade package highlighted by Jalen Brown. Just for fun, I did Jalen Brown and Robert Williams, which would be, to me, the best package that teams could offer like that's right up there if not above what the Raptors do with Barnes really depends on how much the Nets value Barnes's potential and what's left versus what you've already seen from those two guys and the the Celtics go down four wins by trading Brown and Williams for Durant their defense their defense takes an impact losing Mm -hmm. losing guys like Williams and Brown yeah, the Nets and, go and, up and plus not, five. If they could do Derek that, White instead of uh, Robert Williams with Jalen Brown, then it, it becomes much more favorable for the Celtics. And, but And Derek White isn't the greatest. No, but. so I I don't know that Brooklyn would, would want to take on Derek White just to get Jalen Brown back. So uh, basically what I'm trying to say is this is a really annoying situation, and it's going to take a long time before we have a resolution. And I I, I don't know what to expect at this point. 
Because as much as it's easy to say Durant is a superstar, it's the NBA, it's a player, you know, players have a lot of power in this league. It's hard to imagine the Nets just moving quickly on a deal, just given all the reports that are out there, both from what the Nets want and what Durant is willing to sign off on. So I really thought after hearing the news that Durant was requesting a trade, I thought it was going to happen within the first few days. And mm-hmm. we saw when he left OKC, we saw the most depressing parade, 4th of July parade <laughs> when he left because it happened in the morning yeah, of 4th uh, of July. And I thought there'd be something similar to that again. But as time went on, I kind of realized, like, wow, this is actually a much more difficult situation and it probably won't be resolved anytime soon. Mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm not saying that Durant is not going to get traded. He's going to be stuck in Brooklyn, but that certainly is a possibility. And if, even if he does get traded, I'm, it sounds like it won't happen for some time, whether that's days or weeks or and it, hopefully it, not months. Yeah, and it's also possible that the longer this takes, you know, Durant maybe changes his mind and decides to stick around in Brooklyn for at least a little while longer. I don't know how much of it is just get rid of Kyrie and I'll stay. I, I was I've wondering heard... how much is how, what is Kyrie's – the impact uh, with Kyrie wanting out or or coming back. Yeah, well, because we thought it was if Kyrie stays in Brooklyn, then Durant will want to stay in Brooklyn. But then, you know, Kyrie offs in and Durant requests a trade. I've heard that both of them want to continue playing together, just not in Brooklyn, which that makes it even more difficult to get a, a trade figured out if you have to throw Irving into the mix as well. But... I don't see that happening. I think if they get traded, they're going to separate places because, you know, just given I don't what see their contracts either. are. So I don't know who would make a deal. I know that Lakers fans have this fantasy that Russell Westbrook and Anthony Davis are going to go to uh, Brooklyn in this deal. But they their earliest they could throw a draft pick for the first round is 2027. So it's, uh, you know, it feels like that's not enough value. Anthony Davis, we know his injury history. Russell Westbrook looked like a shell of his former self this past season. I'll be very, very upset if Brooklyn actually makes that deal because it doesn't seem like a win in any any way. It's already a big enough loss moving on from those two guys. So you got to get some kind of value back. True. I agree. And it sounds like they're not close on a, a Westbrook for Irving swap. That was something that I think Chris Haynes, the guy who he was reporting that uh, Phoenix was the top destination for Durant. He, um, he said that a deal was pretty close, and Shams went on the Pat McAfee show and said, yeah, I don't think this is going to happen. They're not close at all. So. The swap would have been great, obviously. <laughs> it would have Irving, been funny, yeah. Irving back with LeBron and Westbrook uh, back with Durant. <laughs> yeah, but I, I don't know. We'll see how that goes from here. Uh, another factor that complicates Durant's trade value and situation is the Rudy Gobert trade because Absurd. the uh, the Timberwolves gave up four first round picks, five if you include their 2022 first round pick Walker I'm Kessler. I'm including five. Yeah, it might as well be five first round picks for for Rudy Gobert. Pair him up with Carl Anthony Towns. That in itself seems interesting. I mean, two guys that are they're centers. They're, they're not the same kind of center, but they're still guys you consider centers in today's NBA and the uh, Towns Towns could be a, a four better than Gobert. Like Gobert's Yeah, a I mean center, Towns but, would be but the Towns one who could at least a four. He he's Towns at least can shoot uh sort of he's um, the best three point shooting center in the NBA and then you have yeah. Rudy Gobert whose range is basically like you know, five the, feet. Yeah. So <laughs> underneath the basket basically Yeah and he's doesn't, the best defensive have... center, arguably the best defensive player in the league. So I mean, I I understand him costing a lot. If you look at the players that are going back to Utah, Malik Beasley, Patrick Beverly are known commodities, but 
I mean, they're like they're bench guys. I guess you know maybe Beverly is a starter. Jared Vanderbilt, another one. He's a he's a rotational piece. And then Leandro Balmero, I think he was on a two way contract uh, this past season. So it's not like they're getting back a big superstar. The first round draft picks are the big appeal to Utah. And I I, I totally said, understand Trader Danny wanting to make that deal. Yeah. I've said several times in the past that first round picks in the NBA, unless they're not inside the top five or ten or whatever, they're not that lottery pick basically. First round picks are pretty much useless. Pretty much all draft picks. I mean, Very high percentage of draft picks are useless. Yeah. But I will say five first rounders for Rudy Gobert. Yeah, I, I think Utah, in my opinion, and probably other people's opinions, won that trade for sure. I just I don't know what that does for Minnesota. Okay, I know they have two big guys that that helps their defense, but how much does that really help them in terms of being a championship team? I don't I don't see them going that much further than they did last year with with this trade maybe the second round of the western yeah i mean i agree with that it's it's not even a guarantee to get them the second round i think there are a lot of situations where if you put rudy gobert as their center that that team instantly becomes way more serious of a contender than they already were minnesota just doesn't make sense with this team yeah yeah already having towns yeah and they just signed carl anthony towns to another four-year 200 something million dollar extension which Gobert is on as well. So they're paying 400 something million dollars over the next 4 years for two centers on and the Go- roster. Gobert is already under a huge contract too. Yeah, yeah, cuz he signed an got. extension with Utah a couple of years ago. So I mean, they're kind of committed at this point. I guess they can always try to to blow things up if it doesn't work out, but it feels like that's uh that's a lot to put into this being like a perfect fit and you know these two guys making being enough to make you a a championship contender because that's really what you're asking for when you give up all those future first round picks yeah when you give up that much draft capital i'd want i'd want someone much better i know i make it sound like rudy gobert is a scrub (laughs) but like he's he's limited in what he can do and i get it like he's he's an elite defensive player more impactful on defense than offense yeah i mean he he did lead the league in shooting percentage but obviously you know yeah exactly it's on dunks and and layups is not like he has much range, but it does show that he's able to at least put the ball in the basket if you can get it to him. He's not a guy that's going to give you 30 points more than a handful of times in the season. And uh, I, I get it. It's He's on a huge contract. You gave up a lot for him. And the, the big thing with giving up all that draft capital, even if Minnesota is pretty decent, you can't make trades now because you gave up all your first-round picks. Same situation the Lakers have been in. When you the, give up all those first for Anthony Davis, now they're like, we can't make a trade for you know seven years. <laughs> if you traded five more first-round picks, those first-round picks are going to be kids that aren't even born yet. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, there is a limit in terms of how far you can go. I know. I, you have I know there's a limit. You can't I just... trade back-to-back first-round picks, so that, yeah. that's what it hurts here. If there, um, weren't, if there wasn't a limit, <laughs> you'd be... It'd be kids that are like either not born yet or like bar- barely even in like yeah. elementary school. <laughs> and like all of these picks, except for the 2029 one, are unprotected. So if things go really bad one of those years in Minnesota, it could be like a Brooklyn trade. It could be. It could be for sure. Um, so yeah, D- Danny Ainge comes in. He's looking to, to change things in Utah. It sounds like they at least want to continue to build around Donovan Mitchell, but we already know that Mitchell had some concerns after. Uh, Quinn Snyder quit the the head coach. So I can't imagine Donovan Mitchell being there much longer because there have already been talks about him not being in Utah much longer, and they don't have Quinn Snyder, like you said, and mm. they don't have Rudy Gobert now. It's like I 
how can he possibly stay there much longer? I mean, yeah, Damian Lillard's still in Portland and Bradley Beal's still in Washington, yeah, but I, uh, I still can't Im- still can't imagine why Donovan Mitchell would still be in Utah much longer. My expectation Brad- is that Mitchell at least lasts till the trade deadline, if not a full mm-hmm. season, and we just see what does Utah look like as Donovan Mitchell's team and not Mitchell plus Gobert, but... They didn't get a lot back for Gobert in terms of like players who can help now. Like, you know, Malik Beasley and Patrick Beverly are good guys, but they're not gonna totally replace them. If they get DeAndre Ayton, okay, then maybe. I know they're linked to him, but um, yeah, that's another moving part that I don't know when that's gonna happen. You always need to wait for Durant to be resolved for that to, to move. So Do you think that trade is part it impacts the Durant's sweepstakes because it's like oh well, if if Gobert is worth five first round picks that means Durant is worth whatever it is mm-hmm. yeah oh I absolutely I think it does I don't know like I said there's a limit in terms of number of first round picks you can trade um, so I don't know if the team can necessarily top the first round picks aspect but it in terms of the players like the deal it has to be more than what Minnesota just gave up for Gobert. That that right. definitely is going to play a factor in a Kevin Durant trade. So, and of course, shout out to Brian Windhorse for predicting <laughs> it without actually predicting it. I love the Brian Windhorse piece. I know it's yeah. probably not that hard to predict because, yeah, Utah was he probably going to blow it He didn't say anything. Up. He just said two minutes, like, what's going on in Utah? <laughs> I'm keeping my eye on them. And then a few hours later, Rudy Gobert gets traded. He I didn't actually predict anything. <laughs> but, I know, but I still love the memes. Yes, so the memes great. are my, the best part that have come my, out of it. My favorite one is Subway employee asks customer, do you want a six inch or do you want a foot long? And then it's just Brian Windhorst holding up the two fingers. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah, I, I've seen a lot of them just like putting random words. Oh, they're so it. good. Yeah. I, I, I don't care how stupid it is. It's... It is it's, a really it's funny, stupid. It's funny thing, for a time. It's, it's hilarious. It's, yeah, it's like the not again, not a perfect comparison, but remember the Bernie Sanders meme when he's sitting on the chair in the cold and he's got his coat and everyone's crop uh, photoshopping pictures of him sitting on the chair and all these random places. It's funny for a few days, yep. but then it's like after a week, it's all right. Yeah, I mean, there's fun. some memes that have a lot of longevity. I feel like this is one that can last at least like a month or so. I think mm-hmm. as long as NBA free agency is so relevant, I don't necessarily expect this to go on for too long, but it's <laughs> it's a good one for sure. I love it for sure. Same. Yeah. So um, another trade that did happen, uh, I think there have been a few at this point, but one that's certainly relevant to us, Boston Celtics went out and picked up Malcolm Brogdon, guard from the Indiana Pacers, Gave up a 2023 first-round pick and basically all of their players that weren't that didn't in play. The, yeah, they weren't in the rotation. <laughs> Daniel Tice is the only one who got playoff minutes, and he was not uh, very playable most of the He was a factor the in the beginning of the playoffs, but once it got later and later in the postseason, it's like, yeah, he was not a factor whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So in terms of what the Celtics gave up, not much at all. They I mean, didn't they, give up anything, really. Yeah. And, I, and speaking of... Talking about how first round picks, most of them are kind of useless. I'm I'm glad that Brad Stevens, unlike Danny Ainge, doesn't hoard the first round picks and actually puts them in trades. And ha- he hasn't even used the first round pick uh, since he's been the Celtics GM. Like he just trades them away. So I'm yeah. glad that he's that he takes that approach. And yeah, the Celtics really didn't give up really anything for Malcolm Brogdon. And I'm wondering like, why would the Pacers make a trade like this? Is his injury history that big of a concern? Is it going to be like Kev- Kemba Walker all over again where he's out of the league in a couple years? I, even so, I, I would 
they they traded nothing for him, and maybe the Pacers uh, want to be in the running for what's that guy's name next, yeah, uh, the, next year? Victor Victor Wem- Wembanyama. Wembanyama, yeah, maybe they want to be so bad that they could be in the running for him. I don't know. It makes sense. Again, I mean, I think there are a lot of teams you're going to see make moves like that. Um, yeah, I mean, the injury history is a factor. Also, he's a pending free agent, right? He's only on a contract for one more year. So Even so, I yeah. still wouldn't make that deal. <laughs> you know, if they were trying to get a lot of assets back moving forward, you're right. It does feel like they could get more, even if it was just like an extra first-round pick, given that the players they got back are, I don't know, maybe, maybe one of those guys turns may- into something, maybe th- gets an opportunity. Maybe they think... But- uh, Maybe they think inventor of basketball, Aaron Neesmith, will pan Yeah, out I mean, at some he, is, point. he is the one. He was a first round pick. He's the most attractive name on that list. But yeah, it's, uh, it feels like a good, in terms of like the trade itself, the Celtics are, it's a, a low risk kind of move. Even if it doesn't work out, I don't care. <laughs> I love that trade. I think it's such a great trade because one, they didn't give up anything. But two, I think, I think Malcolm Brogdon fits perfectly with the Celtics because he's, He's great on both ends of the floor. We saw at Virginia. He was, uh, I think, multiple time conference defensive player of the year. Mm-hmm. And yeah, he's I'm surprised a great he hasn't been a. Player. I'm surprised he hasn't been on a first, second, or third All NBA defensive team because he is a good defender and he's not an All Star, but he's kind of a fringe All Star. And I also like it because it adds more competition to that combo guard role with him and then Derek White and Marcus Smart, and I think it motivates them to want more playing time but that could also work negatively because we saw back in 2019 when they had all these great players on their team it didn't work out and everyone complained and it imploded and they ended up losing in the second round to the bucks and so it could work that way too so that's i guess one concern is that there might be too many guys that fit that same role with with white smart and brogdon now where it's a little too redundant but yeah, I don't Either think Brogdon is care. Terry Rozier. I, think, I don't think it's going to come to yeah, that. Yeah, I mean, he exactly. literally Brogdon's said, not, he, I want to compete for a championship. Not, That's all I care about. So Yeah, Brogdon's not, he's not an ego maniac like Marcus Smart. So Marcus Smart, obviously, I'm kind of a <laughs> hater, but he's the guy that I worry about in this situation where uh-huh. does his ego get in the way, and especially since he's the longest tenured Celtic. Yeah, I, mean, I think it depends on how these guys are used because... Brogdon is not the true point guard that some people were saying the Celtics needed to go out and get. He is very much similar to the combo guard that you have in Marcus Smart and Derek White, where, yes, in some ways he's a point guard, but in a lot of ways he's more of a shooting guard. He's someone who can kind of facilitate, but he's not someone who has to have the ball in his hands. He's someone who can pick up some assists, but he's not going to light up the stat sheet in that category. One thing that he does really well is shoot the basketball. He's someone who can be a 40-50-90 player. Yeah, so yeah. that is that is something he certainly has going for him compared to guys like Mark Smart and Derek White, who at least are inconsistent at best. Yeah, I, I so. yeah, both White and Smart are they're both yeah they're they're both both very inconsistent shooters, and Malcolm Brogdon is a better shooter than those guys, and he also is willing to pass more it seems like i think with uh yeah i know i agree someone like marcus smart yeah i think he he still averaged close to six assists per game last season so um he's someone who doesn't need to have the ball in his hands one thing is this gives the celtics a lot of lineup versatility whether brogdon is starting or coming off the bench if brogdon's knee uh injuries if that actually is a concern well they can have him on the bench and they can limit his minutes from the 30s to the mid to high 20s Mm -hmm. and and that'll help him 
be healthy when it comes to more important games in the postseason. Yeah, so I'm really intrigued to see how things go, whether you have a Brogdon smart backcourt, you move Jason Tatum into the four, and a guy like Al Horford or Robert Williams comes off the bench, or you know, if we just said Brogdon comes off the bench and you have that same starting five you had in the, the NBA Finals and most of the playoffs I th- last I season. think, well, when this first happened, I thought that is there more to come here? Like, are they going to actually end up trading Smart or Derek White or whomever? But I think Derek after White a while, is more likely. But yeah, after after a little bit of time, thought thinking to myself, you know what? I think I think they're done I, uh, because they also not only they add Brogdon, but they added Danilo Gallinari. Yeah, is that official? Because I heard that's that where official. he wanted it to go. Official. Okay, cool. Yeah, it. I really like that. Reported that day, or yeah, when it was reported that day in the morning. It wasn't official because there was interest that the Bulls the Bulls wanted to get him, but mm-hmm. Danilo wanted the Celtics instead, even though it was less money. Yeah, which the report is, was a great that he sign wanted that to he, go to the Celtics. That's a great sign that that shows that the Celtics are really knocking on the door and people do want to come here and help the Celtics win a championship, which, so that's a positive. And yeah, Gallinari is obviously not a good defender at all, but we have the Celtics have plenty of great players uh great defenders on the team already and they need to add more bench scoring so mm-hmm. i think i think that's a good pickup i i know he's, he's not the same player he was five ten years ago but as a bench piece i'll i'll certainly take him yeah i, th- I think that's a great pickup uh especially not having to pay the money that you would have if you traded for him from atlanta or san antonio because i had thrown up kevin herter as a possibility he ended up being traded to the Kings. And, and it would have taken a lot more to get him than yeah, exactly. Gallinari. So I'm and like, he's better than Gallinari uh, at this point, but I would rather have Gallinari at the price that it took to get him. Than yeah, and it, they, him. the Celtics could have made a Herder trade work because of the TPE. Uh, I mean, we saw they barely gave up anything. Are they even going to use it? I don't know. I, I don't know what they would use it on at this point. I kind of so. don't care at this point now after the Brogdon trade. I don't. Mm-hmm. I kind of don't care at this point because... That was such a great trade, and I think he fits extremely well with the Celtics. And I, I think j- they were two games away from winning a championship, and they just added Malcolm Brogdon to their team, who's again not an All Star, but guy who scored twenty points per game at, uh, with the Pacers and been a great player for a, re- a really good player for several years. And yes, his numbers will go down a little bit, but. He helps on both ends of the floor. Yeah, so yeah. I mean, I it's hard to trade. complain too much about this one. Like, I think that he's going to be a, a solid fit in terms of what the Celtics look for in terms of style of play, and just what they want out of a guard. He fits in pretty perfectly. So, uh, definitely like the move. I, you know, do you think we'll, they need to add uh, another big man after? Because, like I said last last week. Look, Rob Williams and Al Horford are both great, but Al Horford is getting closer to the end of his career, and Rob Williams, you can never trust him with his injury history, so who do they have after those guys? It's yeah, really- especially after training Daniel Tice now. Uh, I think that that would be the one thing that it kind of makes sense to to go after someone. Thomas Bryant is a free that was agent. A name that He's a name a that a lot of people have been talking about. Um, is he still a free agent? He is still a free agent. Yeah, I think okay. he's someone who'd be more likely than you know going out and getting a, a more... Uh, I don't know. I guess like higher salary, bigger name. Because I think that's really, I think that's really it for the Celtics because they've they've just added a couple, obviously a couple more pieces, both who can shoot, mm-hmm. and one can even help defensively. And yeah, they really just need to add a a backup big man that can uh, help with Horford and Williams not play 
for 35, 40 minutes a game, especially since we saw at the end where, yeah, Rob Williams, he ended up playing through that injury, but it was like, it was still not ideal that he was out uh-huh. there playing on basically one knee. Yeah, no, so, I agree. Like, they, having center depth is is important, especially during the regular season. You know, being able to, to limit the load come playoff time would be huge. So, uh, I, I do expect the Celtics to make one more move in that department, but not necessarily anything too too crazy. Uh, but I guess we'll see. Like I said, they have the TPE if they really want to go nuts, but feels like that'd be a lot of uh, a lot of guys making a lot of money that you have to find a way to fit in lineups and everyone's healthy. So it also shows that the Celtics are willing to go over the tax too. Yeah, which is yeah, which, which is, is good. it's nice to know. Yeah, I mean when you go to the Warriors NBA certainly finals, did that. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's it's definitely uh, nice to do that. So uh, one name that you know we've talked about in the past and whether the Celtics should consider going after him, Bradley Beal. You threw out there. Five years, two hundred forty million dollars, say in Washington. I mean, at this point, it feels like he's he's wizard for life. Like it, it seems like there's been so many opportunities to be traded or leave, and he just doesn't. Is he is he a wizard for life, or is he just taking this deal so he can stay in Washington for one more year, and then he gets traded? And that is the, that is kind of the new thing to do: is you take the big deal and uh, then you request the trade. So certainly possible. Uh, but it is one of those things where, like, every time he talks and, like, all these things he does, it's everyone says, oh, he's leaving Washington. He should be traded here, 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 free Bradley Beal. But he just keeps sticking around for as much money as possible. So. I kind of don't get it, but it is the where he can get the most money. So Yeah, so from that perspective, it makes sense. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't really know what to make of Washington. Like, they had those years when John Wall, Wall was healthy where they were somewhat competitive, but... I don't know that they're any close to being more than like a play-in tournament contender. So no, <laughs> maybe not even that now. Yeah, I mean, I I, I don't know what to expect from them. Well, they, they did make playoffs got, last they get, year. They did but... get a couple pieces. They got Johnny Davis in the draft. Uh-huh. And I, who who did they get in a trade just recently? I forgot. Um, last year or over the summer? No, no, over the summer. Okay, just so they got Porzingis last year. But, oh, I forgot about Porzingis. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't remember what else they've done this off season. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, that's a situation. I suppose you're still gonna hear stuff about. We'll see how it plays out. But at least for now, Bradley Beal is not gonna be teaming up with Jason Tatum in Boston, and uh, Zach Levine also sticking around in Chicago. That was not a huge surprise. I think no. there were plenty of reports he was going to end up signing Max Steel there. But the Bulls, uh, we're still waiting to see what they do. They signed Goran Dragic. I think they signed Andre Drummond, but I don't know. But those guys are definitely past their prime. Now. Yeah, I don't think that's enough to kind of put them into a team that can be the one seed in the East and actually stay the one seed past January, which uh, you know they weren't able to do after things fell apart there. So, um, In terms of other big names really though the one big name that's moved the one big deal was Jalen Brunson going from the Mavericks to the Knicks four years 104 million dollars in the end feels like a bit of an overpay for feels like it it, yeah. it is an overpayment I like Jalen Brunson he was good in Villanova and he was definitely good with the Mavericks especially in this last postseason run because uh, after Doncic he was probably their best player but that's still a typical Knicks overpayment I think the Knicks needed a point guard. It was a move they had to do. I, I know a lot of Mavericks fans are saying, don't make the same mistake we did with Steve Nash, which 
I don't know. I feel like it's not that's, the same. <laughs> well, again, Steve Nash was not the player he was in Dallas when he became in Phoenix, but it uh, that's obviously a huge jump uh, that Brunson would have to do. It'll be interesting to see what he does in a backcourt where he's the guy. He's not sharing it with Luka Doncic. I think that's another factor to consider here. But at the same time, you know how much does playing with Luka help out somebody? I'm sure it, it plays a role. So. We'll see. Um, you know, I, I think that the Knicks, uh, they're an easy team to, to clown and to make fun of and expect that something is really going to go wrong. And, uh, you know, Jalen Brunson, is, he's not uh, the biggest that, name. Like, compared to other top free agents that they have uh, struck out on in the past, it's like, oh, they got their guy, but Brunson, he's not Kyrie Irving. He's not Kevin Durant. He's not whoever else, you know, LeBron James, other guys that they've uh, – swung and missed significantly hard on in the past it's definitely an overpayment but when you factor in the team yes it is much easier to clown the move (laughs) that it's the Knicks Uh yeah I mean I everyone was uh like I guess they were feeling pretty high after being the four seed in 2021 I expected things to kind of fall down a little when they just decided to Take re-sign a step everybody. Back, but I didn't expect them to they they fell all apart the way back. big time yeah so we'll see where they go from here but uh I don't know. Maybe Brunson's the start of something. Um, so he was part of like a few big restricted free agents. We talked about DeAndre Ayton. He has not moved. It seems like Phoenix is going to let him go. Uh, certain teams, Indiana, Toronto are two teams that are heavily connected to him. We mentioned Utah. So we'll see. That feels like it's really, he just doesn't want to be in Phoenix. Is that yeah. It? I mean, I don't. I don't think Phoenix wants him. I mean, they had a that pretty yeah. pretty bad ending in that game seven where he basically just refused to go back in the game. Lots of reports that he'd rather play video games up all night streaming and stuff instead of... Uh, he does seem lazy. Yeah. Uh, he does come off as like not the hardest uh, worker. I don't know. I don't yeah, I mean, well, I, I think that there's a lot of stories come out that don't do him a lot of favors. And he's someone who's the number one overall pick. Like, we saw him make the NBA Finals. He's starting center in the NBA Finals. He's a key contributor for that Suns team. But there's also a lot of off-the-court questions and some personality things that, uh, you know, certain teams might be a little weary of him. So I kind of get Brooklyn saying we don't want him. I also understand a team like Utah who just traded Rudy Gobert being interested or a team like Detroit and Indiana who has some cap space and wants to kind of rejuvenate their fan base a little, wants to get a youngish player who they can build around. Detroit would make sense with already having Cunningham and Ivy on yep. the team. Haven't already having a good backcourt for the future. Mm-hmm. Add. Yeah, I mean, I think Detroit makes a lot of sense. I think Aiton would make them much more relevant than they have been the past few years. And I think at the very least, he gets them in the playoff tournament conversation. So uh, we'll see what happens with him. And then, of course, another big restricted free agent who I feel pretty confident is not going to be signing a $100 million deal anytime soon, Miles Bridges. Uh Kind of a, a terrible human oh, being. Geez. Yeah, that's yeah. that's as bad timing as it gets. Yeah, the really awful timing, and uh, you know, just what he did is awful in itself. And uh, he, yeah, it doesn't matter when you did it. Like, uh-huh. like I said, what he did it was already awful. But when you just factor in the timing, it's like, wow. Well, this is the worst possible timing you could. Yeah, uh, I mean, he's going from like a four-year NBA contract to a four-year prison term pretty soon. As if uh, just based on the pictures that came out, like that's really bad. It's hard to yeah. imagine any team being in a rush to to give him another chance. He's a talented player, you know. He's someone who's going to get a big money deal, but um, yeah, 
yeah, I mean, getting arrested for domestic violence two days before free agency starts is a is a pretty terrible look. And, uh, you know, it's obviously way worse uh, just given what he did, you know, whether he's an NBA player or not. So. That's stupid. <laughs> just stupid. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Um, and then I think that the uh, the last big stories from NBA free agency are the, the three players who signed that rookie designated contract we were talking about earlier. John Morant, he was obviously going to get that all the time. No surprises there. Darius Garland, he came through this past season, really stepped up in Cleveland. I think he had a slow start to his career. Colin Sexton being out was a situation he was able to take advantage of. I think Sexton's another guy who's still out there. If you talk restricted free agents, he tore his Achilles last year, so we'll see how that plays out. But I think the one that's really notable and worth having discussions is Zion Williamson, who has played 85 games in three seasons with the Pelicans, missed the first few months of his rookie year. He was an all-star, averaged 27 points a game in year two, but he didn't play at all in year three. So... Definitely a gamble, at the very least, that New Orleans is doing on a guy who's very talented when he's on the court, but we haven't seen him on the court in a long time now. When you come up with a list of what is the American dream, I always thought it was being a bench player in the NBA because you get paid millions of dollars just to have front row seats, to t- tickets to games, and then there's also uh, Chase Daniel, who's made $40 million Yeah, just being a backup quarterback. Just being a backup quarterback. Like, uh-huh. the, like he gets paid to just watch football. Like, I watch football. I don't get paid that. Uh-huh. <laughs> and then it, we also, this past July 1st, Bobby Bonilla Day, he's yep. living the American dream of just being retired. Million being dollars billi- every being year. Paid million dollars uh, every July 1st. But really the American dream is being Zion. Playing, <laughs> yeah, like I said, 85 games in three years and just getting a a quarter of a billion dollar contract. Yeah, yeah, $193 billion uh, basically million. for... Yeah, sorry, $193 million. <laughs> Possibly Be the richest man on earth. Just yeah. to, just <laughs> A lot of it just based on uh, what he did in, in college. But, of course, when he's on the court, we've seen him be a phenomenal player. And he's someone who the Pelicans absolutely had to pay. It sounds like they put in some kind of protections in the contract. I don't know what that means, but it's obviously a huge risk. Um, you know, And he's someone who you can even question his commitment. It sounds like he's committed for now, but he's been he's been rumored to be a, a trade target pretty much since he was drafted. So do you do you remember the time when he was so he wasn't playing, but he was out there warming up uh, with the team, and it was on it was a game on TNT, and then Charles Barkley he and he just goes, it looks like he looks like uh looks like. Shaq and I had a baby. <laughs> <laughs> it's like yeah. wow, that's that's harsh because because uh, he he does look like he's not he's not in great shape, and a lot of well, that has to do with the fact that yeah, he's, his conditioning level isn't great. But then when you, you fact, know living in New Orleans, I'm sure plays that a doesn't role. help. It definitely yeah. doesn't help. And then it because of his conditioning level, it doesn't help his injuries when mm-hmm. he's when he's nearly 300 pounds and going up and down the court. Like that's definitely going to hurt affect his knees and his feet yeah i mean he's posted some videos of him dunking in open gyms and you know that's promising but yeah i mean there's a lot i'm sure it's not that hard to do when you're when you're that freakishly athletic yeah especially when you're not around anybody i will say i'm very excited to see him back out on the court see what happens and you know hope it does happen it's not like greg odin where his career is over but Uh, he needs to get in shape 
Yeah, no, I mean, that's going to be it, stay in shape as well when he gets there. Like, there's going to be a lot of factors that go into it, but he is someone who still has a ton of potential. He's still going to be exciting to watch play basketball, and it's just a matter of, uh, you know, him being able to stay on the court because the Pelicans, like, they're a really good team. They don't need to, you know, obviously trading for Kevin Durant is not something they'll pass up on if it really presents itself, but, like, they have a really solid core, a lot of young talent. CJ McCollum made them a legitimate team. We saw them go toe-to-toe with the Phoenix Suns in the first round this past season after winning um, in the play-in tournament. So the, the future feels bright if Zion is going to be the Zion Williamson we saw who was an all-star a couple years ago. and So they know. were they were a nine seed, right? But they made the playoffs. Yeah, they were ninth, and they, they went into L.A., beat the Clippers right, on the they road beat the Clippers, to steal the right. eight seed. And, yeah, okay. they were 2-2 with Phoenix. They had them close in game six. They won game two on the road. So, like, they, they put up a fight. Like they, they have plenty of talent. A lot, lot of young talent. Herb Jones is someone who's all-NBA defensive player as a rookie. So It's just that that's a team that if they put it, Altogether, I'm not saying they're going to compete for a championship, but I'd, I'd imagine that they would be a playoff team, but can even compete uh, for future rounds instead mm-hmm. of just the play-in tournament and then immediately losing. Yeah, I mean, they, they get, made the second they round. Zion in, back. They made the second round in 2018 with Anthony Davis and Drew Holiday and a few other notable pieces there. Um, and Demarcus Cousins was on that team. <laughs> I so, forgot about that too. Yeah, they they had success then, but uh, yeah, the. Uh, the the Pelicans, um, you know, it's really going to depend on Zion Williamson being part of their future. And, yeah, I think you, you signed him to a deal and uh, hope for the best and hope that if things don't work out, whatever protections What else can you do in that in. league? Exactly. There's nothing else that they can do. Like, yeah, it's it sounds kind of crazy to pay that much money to, to a player that really hasn't played that much in the NBA, but he's one of the most – Frequently talented players in the league when he's out there, and what else can New Orleans do? Because they've mm-hmm. had Anthony Davis for several years, and obviously they had to move on from him because he was going to eventually leave. And so, they don't you don't have that many options when you're in the NBA. Yeah, no, they they have to put all their eggs in the Zion Williamson basket and hope everything works out. And I don't know, I think there's enough reason to be convinced that it's going to happen, but there's also you know, a lot of you is skepticism like, that yeah. it's like, is this guy ever going to put in the effort to be mm-hmm. a great player? Yeah. 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 So we'll see how it plays out. But, uh, I think that pretty much sums up the first five days of free agency, at least the most relevant stuff. You know, I, I assume that one of these days we'll have more things to talk about, but, uh, for now, I guess let's table that and let's jump into our top five. And, uh, we talked about Tom Hanks a lot, over the years doing this podcast, usually in the top five segment, and we'll find ways to sneak him in there, uh, you know, with our, our different movie segments and stuff. And would you say he's your favorite actor? Yes. I've gone, okay, I was going to say, I've gotten that impression, so I thought it made perfect sense with his birthday coming up on Saturday, July 9th, 66 years young, to count down our favorite Tom Hanks film roles in this episode's top five. Not two, not three, not four. Top five, top five, top five. So Tom Hanks, he's a he's an American cultural icon at this point. He's been in so many things. It's tough to 
uh, boil down his career to just five roles, but we're going to do our best with that. And I'll get started this time with my number five, and that is uh, Tom Hanks' voice role, and that is Sheriff Woody from the Toy Story franchise. And a few months ago, earlier this year, we did our top five Pixar film countdown with our guest, Kenny Cashman. All three of us had Toy Story on it in some form. I'm a big fan of the sequel. I believe you had two in your top five, correct? Two was my number one. Toy but you had two, two you had two, and then oh, I think the oh, original. Oh, yeah, so I had two different uh-huh. Toy Stories in my top five. I, I, sorry, I was confused there. What yeah. You saying. But yeah, so I had Toy Story 2 as my number one, and then I also had Toy Story 3. So what I will say, though, is thinking about it, thinking about, thinking about it now is that the second one is my favorite. The fourth one, I like, unlike Kenny, I do like the fourth one, but it is my least favorite of the four. But yeah, one and three is the one where I kind of flip flip flop uh, between because one's probably a better movie, but I can't help being nostalgic about the third one, especially how it ended. And so I kind of flip flop between those two, but I had the third one in my top five. So, okay. So yeah, we're, we're all big toy story fans on this podcast. It, right. It's a great movie. And Woody was always my favorite. You know, I think you could be a Woody guy or a buzz guy, uh, you know, in terms of who you're one and two were, those are the two main toys in it. And, I always was drawn to the cowboy Woody. I really enjoyed Toy Story 2 where you get the whole Woody's roundup, bring in Jesse and Bullseye and uh, inspect the, the prospector, the Stinky Pete guy. So I, right. I really, I, I was a big reason why I'm a fan of Toy Story 2. So for me, even though Tom Hanks is not an actor, I really love this this voice acting he does and you know this animated version. He does a great job of uh, really making Toy Story one of the biggest Disney movies and making Woody one of the most recognizable Disney characters. So that's why he sneaks into my list at number five. Definitely the right guy for that role. And as a kid, I was probably more drawn to Buzz. I was both Buzz and Woody at one point uh, in my life uh, for Halloween as a kid. But I was probably drawn to Buzz more as a kid just because he was the cooler toy. Uh, Yeah, like the... Space, which stuff is fair, yeah, and the wings and everything, yeah. So I, I was probably drawn to him more just because he was cooler. But yeah, like getting older, I was probably drawn more to Woody, especially when we got to the later ones. Mm-hmm. So for my number five, I went with Jimmy Dugan, and that is the character he played as the manager in A League of Their Own. So for this movie. I would say this this movie I watched later than other Tom Hanks movies. I think I watched this movie start to finish a few years ago. So I was certainly late on it, especially since it came out in 1992. But So when I was watching this movie, in the beginning of the movie, he's an alcoholic, uh, out-of-the-league baseball player. And at first, yeah, he's like not the most likable guy. And... I thought to myself, like, man, am I really going to like this movie because, or like his character because there are so many great roles that he's been in. Uh, but for this one, at first, he's not the most likable guy. But then as the movie went on, I, I really liked the ca- character development in this movie for him specifically because there was a, a heartwarming side to him uh, later th- uh, throughout the movie. But even when he was not the most heartwarming person, it was still, there's still many great scenes. Uh, when he's like yelling at one of the players and he's like, are you crying? There's no crying. There's no crying in baseball. <laughs> yeah. Very, I love that very scene. iconic line that's, among many iconic lines. That scene is such a classic. And yeah, just at, throughout the movie, I started to like his character more and more and felt like I had to put it 
at five. Yeah, so Jimmy Dugan, like all of the women baseball players in this movie, are fictionalized versions of an actual right. league. Uh, one comparison that people have tried to make is that Jimmy Dugan Jimmy Fox. somewhat parallels Jimmy Fox. Yes, as in terms of just a former baseball player, former star who's a manager in the league. And I think that's a good transition to my number four, which is Joe Fox from the movie You've Got Mail. Really, I think that me putting this at number four shows off my range as a Tom Hanks fan and a movie watcher going with a rom-com here. But I think it also shows off Tom Hanks's range where in terms of like some of the other actor or characters we're going to get to, he's as I guess plain and simple of a person as you can be like, yes, he's a rich businessman, vice president of the Fox and Sons bookstore, but you know, he's not, like a baseball manager he's not some kind of obscure thing this is really just tom hanks as a normal guy and i love him in this role because he's almost simultaneously a protagonist and an antagonist uh in in terms of his relationship with his co-star kathleen kelly played by meg ryan where online he's like the hero he's the one giving all this advice she's uh you know basically falling in love with this online persona but in real life she hates the guy he's he's an asshole he's he's part of the uh corporation that's going to put her out of business and i think it's really interesting kind of seeing tom hanks in both of these personas where his real life he's he kind of sucks he's he's like jimmy dugan early in the movie but online he's this great person and it's you're kind of left giving with, advice rooting to, for him he's giving character. advice yeah he's giving Ta- advice on how to take the gun take and leave down. the cannoli monday yeah. <laughs> tuesday thursday wednesday yeah it's it's all in the mattress or what, what's the oh well yeah what was that line it's a godfather something to do with mattresses compared yeah. to war but i think it's funny how he's he's basically he's giving, giving her advice and he's all giving her advice her against doing himself. the punching motions uh-huh. when she's at the bookstore yeah i don't know if you remember that scene yeah yeah uh no but, i know it is it is an interesting story it's it's played out it was a it's it's a it's a fun movie i mean and i also just like the whole watching it like well beyond the invention of the internet because in 1998 it was still kind of in its infancy so it is it's funny just hearing things like questions like are you online like that's something that somebody is just doesn't use the internet today uh so i think that's a fun aspect as well but yeah big big fan of joe fox's character and this is another case where you have nice character development good redeeming story in the end so even though he's not necessarily the greatest guy in this, I think he's someone who is easy to to love and root for by the end of it. So for my number four, this is kind of, like you said, uh, Tom Hanks having a wide range of movies. For number four, I went with Josh Baskin in the movie Big. And if you've never seen this movie, in the movie he's a 12-year-old kid, and him and his friends are at the carnival one day, and... He's using this machine and he makes a wish and he wishes that he were older or bigger. And all of a sudden the next day he's he is bigger and he's in his own house and all of a sudden his mom freaks out and tells him to get out thinking that he's just some random adult but he's actually he's actually the kid. And what I like about his role in this movie is that even though he's grown up and in his 20s and is supposed to be an adult he act, he still acts like he's the 12 year old kid in this movie and 
I think it's I think it's his one of his most, if not his most underrated movie, and I would certainly recommend watching this. Yeah, um, I haven't seen it, but it sounds like thirteen going on thirty before. It's it's actually a good. That's actually a really good comparison, but I think it's a better. I've seen thirteen going on thirty, uh-huh. but it's a. It's a better movie than Thirteen Going on Thirty. Which not that I 13... think is fair. Yeah, I mean it's a good movie, but it's not not an acclaimed movie. I think that Big is right. considered one of the movies that kind of launched Tom Hanks's career into superstardom early yeah, and on. Even and even though he's an adult, he still acts like a kid, and he works for a like a toy company. So oh, so it's perfect. Yeah, he's not like working at like an actual toy store, but he's uh-huh. he's coming up with ideas. Uh, yeah, to based toys. on his yeah as a kid. So. Yeah. Exactly. So that's why I put that as number four. So my number three is Carl Hanratty from the movie Catch Me If You Can. I will say there's definitely a lot of recency bias. About a year ago, in honor of Canada Day, we did a top five films that were filmed in Canada, didn't actually take place in Canada. And I watched this movie for that top five countdown because I heard so much about it. I saw some of the scenes. I was like, I just need to watch it. It's I think my... it's going to be on my list. It was very high up on mine. I think it was number two in my top five after I'm pretty seeing sure it. it was my number one. Yeah, and it's it's a great movie. And well, I'll admit, I think a lot of it, I really like the uh, the Jim Abengale character that... Uh, Frank Leonardo, Abingale. Frank Abingale character that Leonardo DiCaprio plays. I, I mean, he's... Tom Hanks, the as you know, detective FBI agent Carl Hanrity, he's like the perfect heroic antagonist in this, where it's like you're he's the good guy, but you're also kind of rooting against him, and because he um, has to catch him exactly. But he's also someone where you can really kind of get into this character, and I really, I really like the dynamic they have, where like I think he really understands Frank in a way in terms of who he is, what he's doing. You know, we've seen these close encounters where they've actually met each other in person, had no idea that he was with the perp. But I think it's a really cool story, really great film. And, uh, you know, Tom Hanks does a great job portraying Carl Hanrady in this movie. And I think he is uh, a really solid character. And I'm really glad that I took the time to watch this movie because it was it was a great one, great film. 20 years ago, it came out, so... Uh, definitely recommend it to anyone who hasn't seen it. It's it's definitely my favorite Leonardo DiCaprio movie. Yeah, I can't say Tom Hanks movies because he's made yeah, so he's, many he's great movies so that, much. I, uh, that I love. But and for Leonardo DiCaprio, it's my favorite. Leonardo yeah, and we we intentionally did Tom Hanks film roles instead of movies, so it's not necessarily in order of our favorite. My Tom list Hanks would movie, be <laughs> my list would be a little bit different if we were uh, doing top five Tom Hanks movies. Yeah, and it's roles. it's also harder because he one thing Tom Hanks he doesn't have to be the star. He doesn't have to be the main character. He can be kind of right, that uh, you know, number two, number three type role. Because so. as Jimmy Dugan and Carl Hanratty, he's not even the main character, but he mm-hmm. still he still uh, make, has a great performance in those movies. So for my number three, one where he is the main character, almost is... the only character. <laughs> <laughs> what are you talking about? There's a volleyball in the movie. <laughs> he has a great he has a great role in that movie, Wilson. Uh. So for my number three is Chuck Nolan in the movie Castaway, where he works as a FedEx executive. And in the movie, he's flying back home, but the FedEx plane crashes and he ends up being the lone survivor and he is stuck uh, on the desert island. And this is a kind of a side note, not to his character, but the movie. But I love that in the movie, when he's on the island, there's no background music and they don't go to other people 
they, they, they don't there aren't any movie scenes uh, that show other people until he's back at, back home. And I love that because it fe- makes you feel like you're really stuck there on the deserted island. Um, yeah, it's, it's really well done. No, I agree with that. That's just a side note, but I think his character is obviously great in this movie. One thing to note about this movie is that he had to gain a bunch of weight for his role and then lose a bunch of weight because we saw, of course, after his stint on the island for five years, he obviously lost a bunch of weight, not be, be able to eat much food outside of fish and mm-hmm. uh, and coconuts and whatever. And so he, he lost a bunch of weight, of course, being on that island. And so for for him to work in that role, he had to gain a bunch of weight and then lose a bunch of weight, which I think is extremely impressive. That's one. Yeah, I read he actually prepped for the role by spending a week on a deserted island and basically forcing himself to survive just to kind of, you know, get in character and understand the experience. Obviously, one week doesn't compare to how much the the movie character spent, but and I, uh, I and like I mentioned with Wilson, I love that he's 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 opening up all the packages and yeah, he finds Wilson uh, and draws a a face with his own blood and he ends up talking to it when you're on a desert island for five years and you have no one to talk to you probably go insane and that's how you oh yeah probably talk to, uh-huh. uh how you do your talking is you talk to a a, a volleyball with a face on it so yeah i mean it also forced them to have dialogue in the movie where he's actually having a conversation with something even if it's not another person because... it's a gr- it's a great boring movie because <laughs> it is kind of boring <laughs> yeah. that he's just uh, sitting there the entire time but yeah yeah but i mean like i, I said, I don't I don't necessarily love the movie. Um so that's why he's not in my top 5, but I mean it's a hugely popular movie. I'm sure there are plenty of other people, plenty of listeners who uh would would put Chuck in their top 5. Yes. And th- and then it has a great ending as well when he mm-hmm. spoiler alert gets back home and meets his wife who is no longer his wife. Yeah. <laughs> spoiler alert. In 5 years <laughs> apart. <laughs> yeah. Understandably. Uh all right, so my number two, we're going to go back to your number five. That is Jimmy Dugan. And you mentioned that you had only seen uh, A League of Their Own for the first time a few years ago. This is a movie that I saw for the first time last year in preparation for our top five baseball movies. So, again, some more recently biased, but I love this film, and I love Jimmy Dugan's character, just like you. He has a great character development, being a manager who's basically forced there, like you said, alcoholic, drinking in the dugout, falling asleep during games, doing crosswords, doesn't care. But eventually you see him become someone who actually appreciates and respects these women baseball players, recognizes how good they are, and takes the time to actually be their manager. And I think it's a really... Really cool story, and I think having a character like Jimmy Dugan makes it even better. You know, having that type of uh, you know male character in it who's like doesn't want to be there, and then you kind of see his uh, character development. He goes to the point where he's uh, he's getting Dottie to you know kind of turn the tables on her with um, you know her wanting to leave and not be there anymore. So I think it's. Um, Really well done. It's one of Hanks' earliest roles before a lot of these movies where he really became a superstar. And I think that's another cool factor is thinking about this is Tom Hanks before he was really Tom Hanks, before he was the kind of uh, you know actor that we know him as today. And uh, he was able to, to execute this role really well and just celebrate its 30th anniversary a few days ago in terms of the theatrical release. So I think there's been a lot of uh, A League of Their Own and Jimmy Dugan content on circling the internet the past few days. So. so for a league of their own, it's women's baseball team. 
and the reason why those leagues form leagues formed is because the men were off in war. In yeah, World it was War there in World War II. Yep, in the early forties. And we, when we did top five war movies, both of our number one for best war movies, Saving Private Ryan, which leads me to my number two in Captain John H. Miller. And I. It's a good transition. It was, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I certainly have a lot of admiration for his character in this movie, given everything that he went through uh, as a captain in Saving Private Ryan. And one of my favorite scenes in this movie was the scene where they, oh, I hate to start off like this, but one of the, the their medic, the medic ends up losing his life. And it certainly could have been avoided if they took the shortcut, but instead they ended up taking the, the the German uh, base or bunker, and which ended up being probably a mistake on his part, and then all of a sudden everyone's starting to lose their minds and like you're gonna shoot me like go ahead and go ahead and shoot me uh, with the you know the lieutenant and the private, and everyone's losing their minds and and then all of a sudden Tom Hanks character he's calm and like what is the pool up to was it three hundred dollars and then he ends up telling everyone like oh, I'm a school teacher, I I teach. English English composition. I teach, uh, and I and I also coach the baseball team in the springtime. He ends up admitting everything about his life and and admitting his own faults and realizing, you know what? If 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 saving if finding Private Ryan, if that's if that gives me the right to go home, like then that's my mission. And I don't know. I I love that scene, and I definitely have a lot of admiration admiration for him in this role. That's why it's number two. Yeah, Saving Private Ryan is a phenomenal movie. I also, like you said, put as my number one war films. We did that top five countdown a couple of years ago, and Captain John H. Miller is my number one Tom Hanks role in this. And uh, I just love his character in this. I think it's it's a great movie, and it, it's another case like where he plays a huge part in this. And like you said, his one one goal is to save Private Ryan. You know, that's the whole point of the movie, right? Right. And I think that he does a great job with this. And, um, you know, his character is someone who it's easy to kind of look to him and see this is a leader. I think he's perfect for this type of role if you're going to throw him in a war film, uh, especially on a big, big topic like World War II. And um, very emotional ending, but it, it is a it's it's a great ending in a lot sure. of ways as well. So, and shows and, uh, that, you know, he's right at the center of it. And shows that he's human and... Uh, the you know him shaking his hands throughout the movie because he's nervous just like anyone else in the movie and and then yeah in that scene uh where everyone's losing their mind but he ends up calming everyone down and it's a great movie Mm -hmm. and so for my number one which is probably not a surprise to you i went with forrest gump as my number one it's arguably it's either that or shawshank redemption as my favorite overall movie but so of course for my number one for Tom Hanks roles it's Forrest Gump, which is also the name of the movie. Of course, I don't know. I mm-hmm. it's just the best movie. I I I don't I don't know what it is, but it's it's a very quotable movie. There there are a lot of laughs. There are a lot of serious parts to this movie, and I love the chemistry that he has with him and Jenny. Of course, him and Bubba, and then him and Lieutenant Dan, and all the adventures that he has. Uh, in his life, uh, growing up and getting made fun of, and but then also going to college and being a 
uh, All America uh, kick returner. You know, he was on my fo- uh, draft yeah. football uh. team, and then he, he goes off to the Vietnam War, and he comes back home and is an all world ping pong player, and he also runs uh, throughout cross country because uh, he just felt like running. <laughs> and I don't know, it's just a, he's a very s- sweet, kind character, and it's my favorite. My favorite Tom Hanks movie, for sure. Yeah, I mean, Forrest Gump is a great movie. Um, easily could have squeezed it into my top five, but I was like, he's going to be your number one, so I'll just wait <laughs> and let Brian talk about it. I'm not going to make him my number five, start talking about him, and you know, bring it back to that. Yeah, so I had, so you, I'd imagine you had Forrest Gump in your like honorable mentions. Yeah, I mean, I, he would have made my honorable mentions. Um, you know, it, <laughs> you you already threw him out there. I think. For me, like one of the first honorable mentions I had, and I I was tempted to go above Woody, um, a different animated role, and that's Tom Hanks as a conductor in the Polar Express. I know he plays a ton of characters in <laughs> he that plays one. Like seven different people. I know. Yeah, what you he's mean, like though, everybody, yeah. but the conductor his best I think character is, his is most prominent. The, yeah, the so conductor is easily the best. I will one. say, if you put Woody on your top five, I probably would have had the conductor as my number five. But when you didn't, I was like, okay, I'm gonna throw Woody out there, but we can was, still talk about the conductor later. If you weren't gonna put Woody, I was gonna change my mind on something because okay. uh, Woody was my first honorable mention. I was just hoping you'd put it on yours. Mm-hmm. Carl Hanratty was another one. Joe yep. Fox was another one. Okay. Obviously, like we talked about. <laughs> I just uh, took couple... all of your leftovers. Yeah, exactly. Perfect. Those are like, my <laughs> first three honorable mentions. Like, you know what? They're on your list. I might as well just say them as honorable mentions. Uh, uh-huh. A couple more that I had that we haven't talked about at all. Have you ever seen the movie The Terminal? I have not. Okay. Well, he's, he plays uh, Victor Navorsky in that movie where he's uh, his country is under... It's like under attack, or like there's a war going on, and the point is like he's stuck in the airport. Like he can't, he can't yeah. because I don't know what it, I forgot what it was if his visa expired or something. But point is he can't go into the country because he he flew into New York City um, for a for a reason that I can't spoil. But he traveled to New York City for a specific reason, and he he can't leave the airport, but he can't go back home, so he has to stay in the airport. And okay. so it's actually a good movie. Catherine Zena-Jones is also in it and a couple other characters. And then, I don't know if you've ever seen Sleepless in Seattle, another Roman Yeah, I mean, that's one where Sam hit with Meg Ryan as well, right? Yeah, Meg Ryan is also in that uh, movie. So that's Yeah, I prefer movie. You've Got Mail, but, you know, Sleepless between the Seattle, Yeah, I like yeah. both movies, but if I had to pick between the two as well, I would also pick You've Got Mail. Mm-hmm. Those are my honorable mentions. Those okay. Five. Yeah, I haven't seen Captain Phillips or Sully. Um, I think those are two of his newer roles. That... I've never seen Sully. Captain Phillips was okay. Okay. I didn't. I didn't. It was okay. I didn't. I didn't really care for it that much. But mm-hmm. I've. I've never seen Sully. I've never another movie that I've never seen that uh, has amazing ratings. I've never seen Apollo thirteen. Oh really? Yeah, I've never seen. Yeah, Apollo I, I. I have seen that one. It's. It's been a long time. I used to watch that as a kid. Um, a few times, but I don't necessarily remember Tom Hanks's character in that, so that's why I didn't even think about it as uh, including on my list. But uh, one, I do remember watching Apollo Thirteen. One movie that I didn't like, and you know what? It's probably a good movie, but I just found I was just really uncomfortable watching it. It was in, we watched it in health class, uh, Philadelphia, Philadelphia. Yeah, I, I I didn't like that movie. Yeah, I I mean we saw it as what sophomores in high school, right? Almost feels like a little too young to watch that movie on that subject and really appreciate it. But yeah, I mean, he it won um, 
it maybe if I watched it, it now, maybe picture, I'd like it more. It? But watching it in health class, I remember the one time. Yeah. I, I was uncomfortable watching it. So. Yeah, I mean, I, it makes sense when you're like a 15-year-old boy. Um, yeah, it, Streets of Philadelphia by Bruce Springsteen won the Academy Award for Best Original Song. That's a very good song. But um, yeah, I don't know. I don't think it actually won anything else. Oh, no, Hanks did win Best Actor. So yeah, I mean that's that's one where I think a lot of people would put Andrew Beckett if uh, you know they were to make this list. And I, I, I guess another movie that I haven't seen that I've I've heard great things about and I imagine would be one is uh, the Green Mile. Paul Edgecombe he plays a night guard in that at the uh, the prison. I've never seen it start to finish, but I've seen parts of it. Mostly it's like a movie. really long movie, right? Three hours. Yeah, because I, I was tempted part, to guess, watch it, but I was like, ah, that's that feels like a commitment. So part of the reason. Anytime I'm recommending a movie and then I find out it's over three hours, it's like, oh, do I really want to watch <laughs> it's, this? You're like, that's a whole afternoon. When I when I went to see Top Gun a couple weeks ago, great movie, by the way. Yeah, I still have to uh, see it. And I didn't even, I thought the first one was so corny, so I didn't I didn't think I was going to like the second one, but the second one was great. But anyway, the Avatar 2 is going to be in theaters soon, I think sometime next year. And I, I looked up what's the... What is the total uh, like Runtime. duration of the movie? It's like three hours and like forty five minutes, something. Jeez, crazy. I'm like, that's gonna be like the, that's gonna break my record for like longest movie because <laughs> I'm going to watch it because I really did. Like I couldn't do one. that in a the theater. I there's no chance I could sit through that. <laughs> it would have to be one where I can like constantly pause it at home, get up, stretch, use the bathroom. You know, it, it, you can't. You'd have to get like four different things of candy if you want to. Oh my god! You yeah, you eat have the to, whole you time, have to go or, you the... know, the extra large popcorn. <laughs> I couldn't do it. I just clicked on a random article. It says James Cameron tells off Avatar haters, defends three-hour Avatar two run on time. He says, "Get up and go pee." <laughs> <laughs> hey, you're not gonna miss much. It's just, yeah. oh, it's just about. The I don't graphics. care if you hate it. Go, go, go up and get, uh, <laughs> get up and go pee. Yeah, I <laughs> mean, there back. you go. Hey, if is there a lot of people complain about the time duration of the movie? Uh-huh. Probably rightfully so, though. And I'll say, it feels like the kind of movie that would be better to see in theaters, just you know, on a big screen. That's it's a, that's the whole point of Avatar is just to look at it. Right. <laughs> the plots, or whatever. It's just ooh, it's <laughs> the so plot cool of the looking. first one is basically dances with wolves. <laughs> I don't know if you ever seen that yeah. Kevin Costner movie. I knew it was like... some something else, but they're just blue alien like creatures exactly. and stuff. Mm-hmm. And a really which I, I still again I still liked it. I make it sound like I didn't like it. I still really uh, liked it. Just yeah, three three hours and almost four hours is a lot. Yeah, a lot I mean of time I guess that's why it's movie. been what fifteen years almost since uh, he came out with it. So. Yeah, he's been, the entire time he's been trying to make the movie, yeah. Uh-huh. All right, so that'll wrap this one up. Uh, fun top five, and uh, I, I didn't think that we would have any other like big sports things to talk about until football season was starting to get closer, but apparently we might have some NBA you know, huge trade news that could be worth talking about at some point. We'll see how that unfolds. Um, you know, certainly a lot of big names out there that could still be on the move, whether it's free agency or trade. No new episode next week. I'll be uh, at the beach on vacation and won't be taking a break from that. But we'll see later this month. We have some ideas, some things we've talked about, some non-sports potential there. Um, should I'd be, be fun. All, I'm, 
obviously all for it. Yeah, I mean, it, I won't say anything year, until we actually is, record it. But <laughs> this time of the year, sports wise, is uh, it's not great. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we'll see. Outside I of mean, a couple things, but. yeah, MLB trade deadline. That's that's fun. The one of the few. Yeah, reasons that's that's that, fun to talk about. What the, why yeah. the Red Sox didn't do anything? Yeah, <laughs> that'll be. Fun yeah, I mean, about. we'll see. I don't know. They're, they're doing really well right now, but we complained about Kyle Schwarber last year. That ended up being pretty good trade in the end. So yeah, and then now he's not here. No, he's not. That's okay though. But yeah, we'll uh we'll we'll continue to throw stuff out there. Just won't be every week like it has been uh recently, just given the nature of sports in the summer. So for my co host Brian Wells, I'm Corey Novotny. Thanks everyone. <laughs>